Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again this week to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Uh, today I have a special guest, and uh, Robert is an. I'm going to say uh, once an athlete, all as an athlete. Do you have that mindset Absolutely. once you're there? Yep. So he is an athlete. I'll tell you a little bit about his background, and we're going to talk a little bit about. You know, I talk a lot about resilience and. I often say that um, myself, I was not a, you know, um, t- the type growing up that was into sports, but I was into different things. And the mind of an athlete, I think, is also always very, very fascinating. So he's an All-American athlete um, and uh, he had a pretty um, big knee injury that almost took him out of the game. Um, and uh, he went on to deal with that and become the USA um, track and field uh, Masters Track Championship champion, sorry, mm-hmm. um, and you know after that he kind of channeled that energy into doing what he does now, which is working with a lot of people um, to break through barriers. So thanks so much, Robert, for being on and taking your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's let's talk about a little bit about you. I love to find out a little bit about you know the story behind the guests and kind of. <laughs> you know, um, what got you involved in sports? Like, I mean, I, I think like with every little boy, I have a son and, you know, he got involved in, you know, I'm Canadian. So he gets involved in hockey in, yeah. in your history growing up. What was your exposure to sports like? I can answer that in one sentence. I'm the youngest of seven children. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you're, oh, so you're the baby then, the I'm special the baby. one. <laughs> yes, yes. And they were all athletes, including my parents. Wow. So it was just kind of in the blood, but just being the baby, I was constantly somebody else's little brother. Mm. And that drove me insane. <laughs> <laughs> insane. So that's where, you know, I kind of had that little chip on my shoulder, just trying to be recognized for being Robert Foster. I was always Ramona's little brother, your Monique's little brother, your Ralph's little brother. And oh, I hated it. Like I just wanted to carve my own identity. So mm. I went to work and it was the best feeling was someone was like, oh, you're Rob Foster. It's like, thank God. <laughs> goal, goal accomplished, right? Yes. So were you, were you short distance, long distance? What kind of running did you do? I was a sprinter and a jumper. Sprinter and jumper. High jumper? Yes. High jump, triple jump, long jump. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I did them all. Wow. Pretty amazing. Thank you. So... So you got involved, you were finding, I, what I often say is, well, you know, I was actually writing a piece um, that's going to be going out in my book that's, that's coming in April um, around that all we, all of us have to f- want to find that uniqueness. And I talk about myself as well in, the, in this uh, particular part of the book about recognition, right? We all want to find that unique identity. I, like you, came from a family of six and I was kind of like in the middle. I wasn't the, you know, I wasn't the golden child and I wasn't the baby. 
<laughs> and I was just somewhere in the middle trying to kind of shuttle with my brother, who was the only boy who made him special. Mm. And then me, right? So I, I came up with a, well, like, I think I can talk to people and I can mediate situations. And I found that skill. And I would say that most of us really, really early try to find that uniqueness, not like what you're saying that you did yes. as being the baby of seven. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, go ahead. So it's with sports, right? Like, I mean, I know this, my, my son is actually um, at a level of professional golf now. And nice. there's a certain kind of, I would say core principles that go with being an athlete. So tell me what, tell me what they are um, in reference to um, core resiliency. What did you kind of learn about being as good as you were at the level you were? And what did you apply um, routinely to get better? Yeah, so when it first starts, if you just take people who work, who have never been an athlete before, they're working, most people, for money. So they're working their job, they put in their 40 hours to get a paycheck. When you're an athlete, it's performance. And when you're an elite athlete, it's a complete lifestyle. Because there's a big difference between someone who plays basketball and someone who's, you know, trying to become a collegiate or professional athlete. It's just a different level of discipline. And it's just a different level of care. And it's just a different level of want. So when you're in that level, you're going to push yourself harder. You're going to eat better. You're going to be more focused. You're going to spend money on the right gear. Mm-hmm. You know, so like it's, it's all in the mind. I know, I know mindset is over, is overplayed and overused, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. So when you're an athlete, you're focused. And with my fitness clients, my best clients are people who were former athletes. Mm-hmm. Cause, Cause once you have it, it's always in there. And I always say it's so much easier to pull badass out of someone than it is to try to stuff it in someone that never had it. Pull it out versus push it in. That's I'm trying to. So I think of myself, right? Like over the years, obviously I I, I do work out, but I I don't have, like. I remember when my son he played hockey. He started you know at seven playing hockey, and then he played travel like we do, and then he moved to golf, right? Yes. And I remember him like I, I got to the point where I'm like, of course I'm mom, and I'm you know the psychologist, and I'm trying to talk about work life, you know, like balance and all of that. And he looked at me one day and he said, Mom you're not going to get it. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I have to become the master of one thing. And he's like 14 years old now. Right. So I'm talking about, you should hang out with your friends. And, you know, he goes, no mom, he says every split second I get, I want to be out there because I'm driven and I know where I want to be. So I, you know, for him, he, he was teaching me something because on the level that he was trying to explore. So I'm going to assume what were your parents like? Like what, what guidance did they give you about developing this, this mindset? Like you said, as overused as it is, it's a mindset or a state that you go into. And I'm going to assume you started running. Did you start running quite young? Yes. Okay. Yes. I played and, and it wasn't even just track. I played pretty much everything out there, basketball, baseball, volleyball, soccer. Like <laughs> I played it all. So it, like in our household, Sports was pretty much mandatory. Now, my father, he ran track too back in back in the day, and he ended up he could he had had a good shot of being on I believe it was the sixty four U.S. Olympic team for the four hundred meter hurdles, 
but uh, he was in the Marines and Vietnam broke out. So he ended up going, going off to war, but he always pushed us. I think it was just a combination of his own drive with that military background that he just didn't let us settle for average. You know, he's like, you can just roll out of bed and be average. So he's like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna take the time to go to practice and train, you got to get the most out of it. And your body will do whatever you train it to do. So he said, you get out there and, and you train. If you want to play basketball, you got to practice shooting. You got to practice running. You got to practice jumping. And he's mm-hmm. like, you don't just, you don't just go to your practice and say that you're done. It's like, it's what you do before practice is what you do after practice. And then that's how you're going to become a champion. And all of us won championships in something like all yeah. seven of us. So it was a, a, something that he ingrained in you quite early. Yeah. So I want I want you to take me back to when you do you remember some of the very first one of your most significant first wins? I do. Okay, I tell do. me about that and tell me what you know that space was for you when you actually obviously I, you know it takes a lot of work to get to that level that you got to. But what was that like when you got that first kind of taste of of, of winning at that level? See, and this isn't even gonna be what you're thinking but this is the first one. So I was in second grade. I, I believe that seven years old, it was an apple bob contest, right? It was an apple bob contest. <laughs> so it was field day at our school and my friend was up in front of me and just telling me he was gonna win. I had no chance, I shouldn't even go up there. And I was like, dude, I come from a long line of athletes. It's like, we're constantly <laughs> challenging and pu- pushing each other. He's like, doesn't matter. You have no chance. So it's his turn to go. And he, and he goes into his credit. He got down and up in five seconds. So I was like, okay, that's, that's solid. But I got this. And so the teacher calls my name. I walk over to that bucket. I'm pulling up the sleeves, you know, up here in Rhode Island. It gets chilly all the time. I'm going to pull up the sleeves. And I put my hands on that bucket. And I looked down. I scanned and I found my target. There was one right by the corner. I said, I'm going to take it straight down, pin it to the bottom, and then I should be able to come up in under five seconds. And so the teacher's like, ready, set, go. And I dug dug right in there, right in, soaked myself, got it up 2.2 seconds. And wow, such a rush. It was just the feeling of winning was such a rush Mm -hmm. that it actually helped propel everything else. It was like people chuckle when when I tell that story. They're like an apple bob contest. <laughs> I was like, but but you don't get it. It's like just that feeling of being doubted and then coming through. Yeah. It just laid the foundation that no matter what else I do, no matter what obstacles people try to put in my place, I'm gonna bust through it. Mm-hmm. So your injury, your major injury, was before you went on to win the the uh, track championship was it was as was it as you were training no it was actually during a track meet i was 34 years old so now let's backtrack in 1992 i injured it the first time uh training i was actually trying to qualify for the 92 olympic trials and the triple jump and i ended up just overextending i landed weird and something popped so now that was in 1992. So this injury happened, I was 34. So this is 16 years later. So it was just all those meets in between and playing basketball and everything else just was wearing it down, I guess. So I'm in this track meet now. 
and I have my age bracket one because like once I believe it's once you're 25 and over, you, you just go into different age brackets. So I had my age bracket one, 30 to 34, but there was a 45 year old still jumping. Mm-hmm. And the way my competitive spirit is, is set up, I couldn't just let that go. So I was like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to take one one more jump. So I go, I jump, I miss it. But I felt like a tug in my left mm. knee. And so the other gentleman, he missed it as well. So I was like, all right, so he missed two. So let me do one, one more. So if I nail this one, like, because I don't think he can make this height. This was in the high jump. So I, was like, I don't think he can make this height. So I went to my now ex. I was like, give, I was like, give me the tape. So I was like, let me, let me tape it. Because so, I felt something weird to give it some more support. Let me take this one, one last jump. Then I'll get my medals and we'll get out of here. And so I'm up in there. The wind had stopped. So it was like, you know, because the wind can greatly affect your, your high jump. Mm-hmm. So the wind stopped, the sun's shining down. I'm feeling good. Take that big breath. And I go. And then I saw white, like legit saw white. I was mm-hmm. on the ground and I looked down and my kneecap was a quarter of the way up my quad. Yeah. So my patella tendon and whatever else is was holding it completely gave way. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm on the ground. It went instantly numb. So thank God I didn't feel that because <laughs> I, I, pro- I probably would have went into shock. But I had my hands over my knees and the, uh, the athletic trainer comes running over. And I was like, my, I was like, my girl's called 911 already. She's like, oh, she's like, I don't know if you're going to need, need an ambulance. And then I moved my hands and she saw my knee and she was like, oh my. She's like, oh my. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And so... My next question after that was, how do I get my medals? <laughs> that was all I cared about. Because at the end of the day, I still won, I still won the event for my bracket. But, yeah. but anyways, but where everything changed now was in the emergency room. So the EMTs had put a brace on my knee and I get into the emergency room. The ER doctor comes in, he takes my brace off and within half a second, He's like, ooh, you're never going to run or jump again. Wow. And now I had just started my fitness business earlier that year. Like I just started. Mm. I just had twin, twin boys who were born. They were four and five at the time. I mean, sorry, they were four months at the time. You know, kids number four and five. And mm. so I'm like, wow. I'm like, never run a jump. And so like, I start crying. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to run with my kids or, you know, run with my clients. It's like, how, how am I going to do this? And then at that moment, I stopped, wiped up the tears. I looked at the doctor and I'll keep it PG, but I looked at the doctor and I said, you don't effing know me like that. I was like, you might know medicine. I said, but you don't know me. I was like, you don't know what I'm willing to go through to get this back. I said, and it's not even to prove you wrong. So I could care less about your opinion. It's the fact that I need this joint to work for me to get to where I need to go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, these things, I said, don't even finish the sentence. I was like, I, I don't care how these things for the average person, like mm-hmm. you're not talking to an average person. I was like, I'm going to get through this. And so got- let's talk about that tenaciousness, right? Because that's that fire in the belly, right? So you're <laughs> yeah. kind of like, you're not keeping me down. You may have gone to all that med school stuff. But you're not going to, you're not going to tell me what I'm capable of. And, yep. you know, when any of us are injured, right. And we're forced not to move there's a mental set that we go into. So you must have, as much as you know, I'm going to do this. There must've been things that you fought off. Oh yeah. Naturally to be able to kind of 
you know, we know the body and the, the mind is one, right? Um, even though in the West, we always kind of separate those two out. Mm-hmm. What kind of things did you do to really enhance or, or even uh, not even enhance, but just allow this, the process to occur so that your body could kind of get, get back to the level that it needed to, to go, to go on? When I tell anyone going through anything, whether it's fitness, whether it's injury, whether it's a struggling business, no matter what it is, is you have to celebrate every single win. And don't worry about the stuff you don't have yet or the stuff you can't do yet. Mm-hmm. So at the time when I was in a wheelchair, I'd still be outside with the kids playing basketball. I'd be, I'd be wheeling myself around, grabbing <laughs> the ball, shooting. And like, I can still shoot. Like, you know, my leg's broken, but my arm still works just fine. I was still going to the gym on crutches, hop, hopping around between machines, doing doing what, what I can do. It's like, it's like if one area is hurting, then you have to intensify the other areas to make up for it. Because if you only focus on the one area that's hurting, it's going to completely derail you. It's going to demoralize you. It's going to depress you. You're going to end up gaining weight. You're going to lose energy. And you're just going to lose that, that hunger. So for me, I just celebrated every last thing. It's like, hey, I walked three steps without falling. Yes. You know? <laughs> hey, I walked all the way to the bathroom. You know, texting, texting the wife. Hey, I walked all the way to the bathroom today. No crutches. <laughs> right. I just, I just made everything amazing. And I just think when you keep that positive attitude and keep that energy high, it, it seriously, I mean, I, I'm no doctor by any means. I dropped out of college three times. So I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel it helps the healing process, just being positive like that and just surrounding yourself with awesome experiences. Oh, absolutely. And because, you know, we have nerve centers throughout our body, right? And your, you know, your body remembers like, you know, um, there's a famous book um, that's, you know, based on some of the training that I did in trauma and it talks about the body keeps a score. Yes. Right. So the body is keeping all emotion if you think about it, and it's constantly feeding it back up. So we don't even have, we have nerve cells in our tummies, more nerve cells in our tummies than we do in our brain. So if you kind of think about it, if that message is going back and forth all the time, to your point, you're actually kind of, you're saying, okay, move over injury. I'm going to jump into the, you know, into the driver's seat, even though I know I have to do this work, because again, like we have like 60,000 thoughts in a day about approximate And a lot of them can be negative. So if anybody says, you know, oh, yeah, no, I think uh, positively all the time, I often say they're telling you a lot of fibs, right? It's about what you do to channel that. And that sounds like what you did. You looked at what what you had control over and incrementally gratitude, I'm going to assume, was part of that. If you could kind of wheel around with your kids and, and be able to still do some things, but just being gracious for what you have versus the focus on what you don't have with the, which was the fact that you were kind of, you're in a wheelchair and you're a runner. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If that's not going to derail you. I'm not, I'm not sure what wouldn't kind of thing. Yeah. And even with, even with the fitness business, like I would show up down to the field, I'd drive the van, I'd have my wheelchair in, in the back of it. My clients would come, they'd get the wheelchair, they would open it for me. They would help me out of the van. They would help me into the wheelchair. They would push me over to the part in the playground where we were going to be training 
And, you know, I, I have my clipboard and I'm barking orders and, you know, people are walking in the park, like looking at me, my leg all up in a wheelchair, like, you know, this guy's in charge over here. But, you know, it's all about how, how you show up. If you show up positively and powerfully, great things can happen. So the fact that at that time I was only one week post-surgery and I was already one back week. out there. Yeah, I was already back out there wow. because I told myself, you can do this. Right. When you tell yourself you can do this, you can do it. If you tell yourself you can't do it, you're right there, too. So I just keep it positive all the time. So let's talk rituals, because I'm going to assume um, just from what you're saying, and I know what I what I teach and what I speak about and rituals are so, such a big part of it. So tell me when you now, you know, in your business and when you're speaking or when you're coaching, um, I'm going to assume you teach a lot about rituals or tell me what you teach as a frame because Robert if you think about the time we're in the biggest thing that I'm dealing with is the challenges because most people are trying really really hard but it's almost like we have you know this um the world's on a tilt right Mm -hmm. and everybody's trying to gain control but you know we do it some days and you don't do it some days and people are trying their best so what kind of things do you talk about and teach people about resilience it starts it starts with the clarity of the vision it's like most people most people will say it starts with the why like the 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 why is in there but just and this is you know my own two two cents is it has to start with the clarity of vision so when i started my gym so now this was actually a year and a half prior to me ever thinking about having a standalone location i took out my my trusty notebook and I just sketched what I wanted my gym to look like. Now it was a ghetto looking sketch cause I don't draw, but <laughs> I did, I did the best I could. I was like, I knew I wanted a smaller room up front, something that was, wasn't too intimidating. Like I don't want people to walk in the door and be like, Oh wow. And see all this mm-hmm. obstacle stuff. I wanted it to be welcoming, inviting and inspiring. So then I wanted it to open up into a bigger room where we would have, the equipment and the ropes hanging and the climbing walls and the kettlebells and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was after they were nice and comfortable. So I wanted an office over here on this side. I want a storage room here and your know, bathrooms over here. And so we fast forward a year and a half. Now I had, I had bad credit. I had no savings and I had, I told you I dropped out of college. So it's like, I don't ha- have a degree. So it's like, how, how am I going to do this? I said, so all what I'm going to do, like I was talking with my parents, I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep changing people's lives. And then at some point, a door is going to open. And so that that was all I focused on, was just getting my clients, clients' results, getting them out of their bad habits, helping them get off of blood pressure meds, helping them fix their cholesterol, you know, reversing type 2 diabetes. Like, I just focused on that. And then one day after a busy class, one of my clients approached me. And was like, why don't you have your own place? He's like, you know, you, you have such a strong following. And then so long sto- story short, he and one of his, his partners, they invested in me to open up a 5,000 square foot facility. So now as we're scouting around locations, we walked into this one. And when I tell you, when we walked in, this place was a dump. It was an absolute dump. It was smelly. It was like a, like a mildew filled carpet or holes all over the wall. It was dirty in the main room. And I walked in and said, this is perfect. And they looked at me like, what? They're like, this place is perfect. I was like, you don't understand. When I sketched down about a year and a half ago, this is it. 
And it, it was so scary. The only difference was this one had an extra storage room that I mm. didn't have written down and it had an upstairs, which I didn't have written down. But the main layout was to a T to what I had written down. And so that clarity of vision helped us turn that dirty old warehouse into an award-winning facility. It's like Amazing. We, so we the, the capacity of, of visualization, right? Like, yes. like not, not, not to trivialize what you just said, but yeah. in your brain, even though I'm sure the other people you're with were thinking, what is he seeing? You, because you had had that mindset, that mental set. Oh, and, and to your point, right? If you're the average person walks into a gym you know, I remember when I used to go to the gym, like way back and you walk and you see the big guys, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to move over there. Look at yep. what their lift I'm going, you know, and then you, you, because you're like, whoa, okay. So that whole concept of being inviting and yeah, I don't want to see a 20 pound kettlebell as soon as I'm hitting the, the, the front, I might want to see a 10, maybe exactly. a five, but that whole approach of, I want people to come in. I want them to kind of get their feet wet. I want them to think, okay, it's a gym. Okay. And then feel welcomed. And then they go into the back room and then they can see, yeah. oh, okay, well I can do this. So you had that vision. And I think what happens to a lot of people is they, you know, like to your point, you, you didn't focus on what you didn't have. Right. You didn't focus on, yeah, I had this injury or, you know, I don't have the money. I don't have the degree, all that stuff, which is a lot of times what people tell themselves, but they don't stop to think, you know, obviously you're passionate about, you know, what you do and you make yes. a change in people's lives. And that's where you went from. Like you said, one person at a time, you made the difference. You, you know, people come in potentially overweight, not feeling good no energy, high cholesterol, all that stuff. And you just kept focus on small goals with them over and over again. And of course, once people start to move and they start to shift things, then guess what? They go back to the doc and the doc goes, what have you been doing? They're doing lots of little things, often consistent. And then they start to see the change. And that's yep. where you, you just, you just kind of hung out and did that a bit at a time with everybody over and over again. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, pig, piggybacking on that is not just the ability to see it is you have to be able to feel it. Like when I sketched it down, like I pictured myself walking into the doors and seeing what I had laid out. Cause like mm -hmm. some people can say, yeah, you know, I want to make a million dollars, but, but they can't see themselves living in the home of their dreams, driving the car of their dreams, having their kids in the, the school of their dreams and taking the vacation of their dreams. Like they don't, they don't take it that deep. And so I always so how say, do you how do you take it deep? Let's talk about that. Cause you know, like a lot of people, you're right, you know, and you know, the South help people say, you know, just kind of put it out there. No, you have to do a lot more other than you have to feel it Yes. and experience it. So tell me how you do that. I know. Yeah, well, I mean, I know what I do, but I'm yeah. curious to what you do. Yeah. I mean, in, inside, well, there's different, there's different ways. So it depends what I'm dealing with. So on dealing with fitness, you know, so I work with mostly women. So with women, a lot of it is, you know, they have that, that one little dress in their closet that they haven't worn in a decade that they want to put it back on. And I just walk them through that process. Like, what would that mean to you? Like picture it, where would you wear that dress? It's like, you have to ask the right questions. And so when you're doing it for, for, for yourself, a lot of people struggle with that, but that's where coaches like us come into play and we help people through that process. So my process is seven steps. And so now this used to be called years ago, shut up and exercise, but I wanted to take it wider. 
right? I want to take it wider. So I switched it to shut up and grind because it doesn't matter what you're working on. Said whether mm-hmm. you're an athlete, whether you you own a hair salon or a bowling alley, like it doesn't matter. Like all the principles are exactly the same. What do you want? What will it do for you if you get it? Why do you want it? How will you benefit the community if you get it? You know, what will the legacy be for your for your family? Are you solving problems or are you just providing providing, you know, selling products? And mm-hmm. like you just have to ask the right questions and get down to the heart of what what is in their passion, you know, what's mm-hmm. in their heart. And because like once you get that deep, that person will go far. People who are content are going nowhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nowhere. So I don't even mess with people who are who are content. So like you have to work with the people who are fed up and they're ready to change. Those people will be receptive to the coaching. The people who are, who are content, I'm not going to say all of them because you, know, you can't pigeonhole everyone, but a majority of people who are like, yeah, you know, I'm okay where I am. I said, well, I'm not the right coach for you then. Mm-hmm. So through this, this time and how have you shifted things? Um, with your business, like with the speaking, um, yeah, I know with speaking, the in-person, I'm not doing as much. I'm yeah. doing more mm-hmm. virtual speaking and training, coaching. How have you shifted and how, how the gym is physically still in, in, in Rhode Island, right? How have yes. you had to pivot? Um, and are you, you know, here in, um, I'm close to Toronto to give, I'm in Niagara Falls, which is about an hour from Toronto. We're, oh, yeah. we're in a, a complete lockdown. Are you, are you, are you open still? Or are you in lockdown like us? Well, we, we were shut down again uh, November 30th to December 20th. So we were allowed to open December 21st just with, with restrictions, of course. So, yes, we are open now. But overall, I mean, you know, I'm down like 60% in volume, I want to say. So it, it has been tough. But like I said, I don't worry about what I can't do or what, mm-hmm. what I can't have. So in that time, I... I, I had actually taken my classes outdoors. This is back in April. I mean, back in March before the governor mandated it. Cause I knew it was coming. I was just watching what, what was happening elsewhere. Like, so let's just stay ahead of the curve and start adapting to it now. Mm-hmm. So I did that, but then that gave me the green light to go ahead and start the podcast. Cause I had eight live gigs booked between March and May. And then obviously they all got canceled. And I had this this nice microphone I bought like a year and a half ago, just sitting here collecting dust and the lights and the green screen. I, mm-hmm. I, I had it all. And then I was that creature that was content. So I was like, I'm busy, busy with the gym. The gym is growing, you know, the speaking gigs are coming. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now with those taken away, I was like, you know what? Let's get the podcast up and going. And right. let's start, you know, working on getting, I joined two, two masterminds, one about getting on TV and one about doing Facebook ads. Because now I can help other businesses with their marketing by, you know, teaching them how to do how to do Facebook ads and social media marketing and personal branding and all that good stuff. So like I I took myself from just being I don't want to say just but being a gym owner and a speaker into now being a full blown international business coach. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So who are your mentors? Like I, it sounds like your your dad was an athlete, was he one of us, or who were the mentors in your life, or who are the people that mentor you now, kind of, whether it's kind of you, you, you think about them, or you do have mentors now that you follow? Yeah, I mean, I do, I do have some now, but I know this is going to sound cliche, but I try to, I try to learn from everyone, 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many people on this planet and as knowledgeable as I am, I know I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I, I just know there, there are things you have swirling around in your brain I've probably never thought of. <laughs> so, you know, so I just try to take bits and pieces from as many people as I can. But obviously it starts in the household, mm-hmm. but definitely starts in the household. If, if your parents are pushing you, you're going to grow up with more, with more drive. If you're in a household where both parents are working full talent, full time, you're bouncing around from, from daycares, chances are you're not going to get the same structure. And, and again, I'm saying chances are, you know, I'm not pigeonholing everyone, but so it starts there. But then from there, there comes a time where you have to step into your power, mm-hmm. right? You have to step into your power. And as an example, I was speaking with a young, young woman who just recently graduated from college with an exercise physiology degree. And so I said to her, I said, so what are you going to do with it? She's like, well, you know, I, I have to get experience now. I'm like, you have a degree. I said, right now, this moment, you are an expert. Mm-hmm. Everyone that doesn't have one. I said, so why are you going to let people stuff you into a box and tell you what you need to do before you can make it? I said, right now, with the power of the internet, you can start a YouTube channel or a TikTok channel or whatever and start sharing your knowledge. Your knowledge is valuable. Yes, yes. I'm sure you're going to want to work with patients and clients at some point. I said, but step into your power now. You know, it's like you don't want to shrink yourself. And so many people fall into that trap. And even more so in this time, right? With all the yes. negativity, you got to you gotta shut it off. You, you know, I know with you guys in the U.S., you're going into, you know, a, a, quite the week. You, you got to take it in, but you, you got to, you know, not worry about it too much. I often say limit the amount of, um, you know, some social, not a lot, not a lot of news. Just find out what's going out. What do you need to know? Because really, that's a lot of it's negative coming at you. And then, you, yes. you know, this is your this is your capital up here. You got to really protect it at, at all costs. Agreed. Now, for anyone listening that's you know they're like oh this sounds all well and good Roxanne but I'm having a tough time Robert what what would be some first small steps you would say whether it's a a woman getting wanting to get in shape which I know you work a lot with or uh, um, like you said somebody coming out of college that you know it's like well there's no you know we're in a pandemic did you not know and how am I going to start anything or well I had to pivot because my business is down by 50 percent which is what most businesses are down by overall What, what would you say what kind of tips would you give them to 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 at least get going right now yeah the average person spends about four hours per day on social media four hours per day take that time and put yourself out there like no matter what field you're in no matter what industry you're in you are filled with so much power that you don't even know exists Right. So I just thought I started a program this year also called Speak About Yourself Out Loud, because mm-hmm. as I joined these multiple masterminds and, you know, you're in all these Facebook groups and you start hearing people say, hey, someone so introduce yourself They're like, hi, I um, and Mary and I am um, from and it's like. You know, you have to be able to tell, to speak about you. People can speak about movies. They can speak about how their girlfriend's crazy. They can speak about so many different things about the great bar or the football game. But it's like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I help people take their own personal experiences and start things like blogs, you know, become uh, writers, speakers, podcasts, you know, if they want to write, write a book. 
There's just so, so many different, different things that people can do with their own experience. But the problem is, is that people think, oh, nobody wants to, wants to hear from me. Mm-hmm. Like there's 7 billion people on this planet, 7 billion. And to put it in perspective, here in the US, I'm sure, sure you've heard of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yes. Right, he's got 275 million followers. There's 7.7 billion people on the planet. So you know how many billions of people have no clue who that man is? (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. So so there's people out there that need to hear what you have to say. And they, right, you can heal people's souls with your stories. Absolutely. Well, I think you and I, I love your energy, Robert. Uh, You you. brought uh, brought, uh, a nice time to the listeners today and to myself. So for people that are interested and they want to learn more about, you know, when things open up or even virtual speaking or any other things that you do in reference to some of the programs that you talked about, where can people reach you? Um, Well, you know, website and social, those types of things. Yes, you can reach me on my website, Robert B. Foster dot com slash speaker and then all of my social links are there on that site as well okay well thank you so much for your time so what am i learning what am i taking away you know don't ever not listen to what you have internally and i think of myself as a little girl growing up in trinidad and what i what was my uniqueness and at that time my friends would say nobody's going to listen to you you're 11 i go yeah yeah uh, i'll figure out what i'm going to do and i i went on and you know created a you know went to school and did all that stuff to to do the kind of work that i do and i've been giving back for a long time and you know i feel privileged that i listened I listened to something that I thought I could be good at, not knowing that if, if I would get paid for it, really, that was the last thing on my mind. Yep. So for everyone, just listen to that deep space. We all have it, that space within you that we're so busy that we kind of get disconnected from. And we think, oh yeah, well, I don't, I don't have that thing that I can be good at. Listen, spend time in nature, uh, clear your mind, write, you know, get things out and it, it will eventually come to you. For anyone that's wanting to learn more about authentic relationships, I've just launched a new course um, on how to authentically connect at home, especially at this time with the pandemic. We all need the skills that much more. Um, So it's a four week uh, live coaching and and, uh, training course, um, and that will be starting soon. So if you're interested, please reach out to RoxanneDurhodge.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.